0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. You're listening to Smashed from The Ensemblist, the only podcast that shows you Broadway from the inside out. I'm Mo Brady. And I'm Aaron Albano. Don't end up leaving early Cause I've been waiting for you all For you, cause I've been waiting for Welcome back, listeners, to our tongue-in-cheek recap of what is television's most detailed depiction of the theater industry. And yes, we're still talking about Smash, the NBC series that chronicled the creation of a Broadway musical and all the drama that ensued along the way. We've been going back,
1: episode by episode, to see how this supposed love letter to Broadway has held up over the past decade. In each episode, we're looking to find the answers to these three questions— did it represent
0: Broadway then? Does it represent Broadway now? And is it any good? So let's dive in and talk about episode three of season two The Dramaturg. Aaron, give us the stats.
1: The Dramaturg premiered on February 19th, 2013. It was written by Larry Shaw and directed by Brian Goluboff, both newcomers to Smash as of season two. The viewership was 3.29 million viewers, which was 1.16 million down from the previous episode two weeks prior. We saw new material from both our up-and-coming shows this episode. We were treated to a brand new song from Bombshell called Our Little Secret, written by Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman, and a preview of a song from currently unnamed show soon to be known as Hit List, called Good For You, written by Drew Gasparini. The episode also featured Megan Hilty singing a cover of Robin's Dancing On My Own, as well as snippets of the Wiz's Soon As I Get Home, sung by Jennifer Hudson and Catherine McPhee's mini rendition of They Just Keep Moving the Lion. And pray tell, Mo, what happens in the
0: dramaturg? I will both pray and tell. <laughs> Eileen demands that Tom and Julia meet with a dramaturg named Peter Gilman to make the quick fixes she thinks the show needs. Tom thinks Peter could be a shepherd for their play, but Julia is afraid dramaturgs are parasites, especially when he reads her for focusing on DiMaggio instead of putting sex appeal into Marilyn herself. Derek knows that new musicals take time to develop, but needs something now, something big. So he's burning the candle from three ends, staging a bombshell number for potential producers, scheming with Veronica Moore to get his job back at The Wiz, and agreeing to meet Kyle and Jimmy about the plot that goes around their great songs. Ivy Talks smashes real-life casting director Bernie Telsey into letting her audition for a revival of Liaisons, but feels she has little chance of booking it up against real names like Jen Damiano and Jesse Mueller. (laughs) When she stops by bombshell rehearsal to ask Derek for advice about auditions, she realizes that she needs to start dancing on her own. Ooh, nice. Tom helps her to realize the Liaisons role is more like Marilyn than she had initially imagined and that boost helps her win the part. Inspired, or in spite of Peter Gilman, Julia writes a non-PG number for Marilyn and JFK called Our Little Secret. It loses Derek a job on The Wiz, but Eileen calls it the perfect direction for Bombshell. Jimmy continues to be his usual angry white man self, seemingly (laughs) pissed off at every opportunity Karen and Kyle provide him to share his show with the world. When they finally meet up with Derek... Jimmy describes the story of their show, a young man who hates the world but has a treasure trove of mind-blowing music. Stealing his songs to catapult her fame, a female fling gets addicted to the fame his music provides. And he lets her, even though his love with her will destroy him. So subtle. Derek is intrigued enough to pound beers with the creative team of this new musical, and they begin their work on the show together. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com.
1: It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs)
0: That's
1: chumbacasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary below Void are prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18+. plus. yeah. First off, I want to talk about um the title credits, the the beginning of the show. I feel like oh, this was the yeah. first time I've seen, yeah. Totally new. It was, like, exactly the title credits that Smash always should have had. It, it was made beautiful. It, it was beautiful. It was
1: gorgeous. I have no notes. It was gorgeous. <laughs> it, it,
0: I, I felt like it was an event. It made everybody seem like a star. It made it seem like it, that, that this was a story worth telling, and it was going to be dramatic and exciting. C-
1: title credits aside, how did you like the episode?
0: Um... Oh, man, I feel like it's. I, I feel like it's just going to go downhill before it goes uphill. Maybe it's because I'm waiting for my part, but I'm also what? like. There's, <laughs> but there's there's just so much of sort of like hemming and hawing required in a 15 episode arc where you're like, all right, bombshell needs work. We all know it. Yes, okay, we need a dramaturg to help with that process. Sure. Do you think
1: they use this term correctly? Is Peter in the show? what we'd colloquially understand as a dramaturg.
0: No, he's what we would call a show doctor. I think uh, so too. A dramaturg, you don't hide in so much mystique, right? M- I mean, this is probably because we're coming from the actor perspective, but I think about the dramaturg as the person who gives you the packet at the beginning of the first rehearsal yeah. and is like, here's the historical context. It's it's very scholarly. It's someone yeah, who yeah, like, yeah.
1: Is like a theater historian who will like tell you
0: everything you need to know about this existing show. Or, or about the historical context of the show. It's sort of like, how does the action of the play relate to the historical time period that it was supposedly taking place in? Yeah, so why would why wouldn't Maybe, they just say show doctor? I don't know, because show doctor seems sexier, doesn't it? The show doctor.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, th- was it an attempt to add this sort of level of sophistication? But it backfired. I don't, know.
0: I don't know. I I totally hear what you're saying, and I did not think about it at all until this conversation.
1: <laughs> but that said, so draw so term aside. Peter is the new show doctor on Bombshell. Sure, oh,
0: that sounds so sexy. It's like he's wearing a lab coat and he's got like a pencil in his pocket. You know,
1: especially when it's Daniel Jada. Holy
0: oh, yeah. crap. Yeah, I think of Daniel Sinjata as Take Me Out, the original um, naked baseball player, and Take Me Out.
1: I didn't know that work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Fantastic. Even better. But um, stop so drooling, com- Aaron. But okay, so Peter comes in as the new show doctor.
0: Right, which we find out sort of in fits and starts, right? Uh-huh. He's been hired, but then it's Eileen's like, just meet with him. Oh, yeah, he did see the show four times. Oh, he's already it's so, like on staff. Unnecessarily sneaky. Where I'm like,
1: hey, we know the reviews. Like she knows the problem with the show from the public's perspective is the book.
0: Yeah, no one's questioning if the book wasn't good. The question is, can Julia do it on her own, or does she need help or a kick in the pants to m- make it happen? Right. <sighs>
1: Yeah, and that's what—I mean, but if that's the test, Julia fails miserably. <laughs> Why? Oh. And It's it's something that I get into with, like, this entire episode with Julia. All I have written down is Julia's ego is overwhelming. Like, this whole issue where she's like, I don't want to show a doctor. People are going to think that the show's in trouble. People are going to think that I lost it. People are going to think that we can't do it on our own. People are already saying that, Julia. Yeah. You have it on, you have receipts. People are already saying that. And if you want Bombshell to reach its fullest potential, wouldn't you at least entertain
0: the idea that you might need help? Right. Does Julia think that the show is good as is? Does she think it's great? Clearly she does.
1: And it's not, <laughs> it's not. But, but th- and, and that's where it's, Revealing of Julia's sort of mindset, because whenever she and Peter get into it, her definitions of why it's good is that, well, they stood up at the end. Oh, well, they cried when Marilyn died. Her entire gauge on quality is based on audience response.
0: Right. It's because even this far into the process, they haven't settled on a strong point of view for their interpretation of a show about Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, right.
1: They don't believe they don't believe that their show is good because they believe their show is good. They believe their show is good because people like it
0: and because it's based on a great idea. And Peter says that when they're in Peter's apartment and, and drinking fancy coffee. Right. Mm-hmm. She puts him on the spot and says, "What's one thing you like?" And he says, "I think the subject matter is good." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe she's used to having a more hands-on director. I mean, Derek's a pretty bad director. You know, in terms of like rehearsal room behavior, but mm-hmm. he also doesn't seem to be coming at bombshell with like a strong point of view himself. Maybe she's used to on Heaven on Earth and Two for the Road. I don't know. What, what's the what other? What was that what's, called? It was like what?
1: Two if by C, Three if <laughs> by whatever it's called. <laughs> three if oh. by whatever. Yes, continue.
0: Maybe those musicals had like a stronger director who had a stronger vision. And so she was getting kind of guided more by... Someone else. Yeah. No one's steering the ship.
1: No one's steering the ship, but that's what's... Because the show began with them. The show began with them. And the them meaning Tom and Julia.
0: hmm
1: And, again, assuming that their rise to power in this version of Broadway is well-founded, at some point, they were doing very good work. And arguably, this is still very good work, but... Well, it's,
0: they, it's they're they're alluded. There are illusions that Heaven on Earth is a lark, right? That their first musical, whose name we can't remember, uh-huh. is a good first musical, but not great. The Heaven on Earth is a hit, but isn't necessarily a deep show, right? And then here in Bombshell, they're trying to create a more meaty piece about Marilyn Monroe. Huh. Maybe they're just oh, not I- very good at depth. So bombshell is an, is
1: their attempt at a deviation from what they normally do?
0: I think the bombshell is an attempt to create more serious in-depth theater than heaven on earth.
1: Fascinating. Okay, so that changes things. Because then that means that she's used to a claim in a genre that she's not currently in and is not equipped to deal with this kind of criticism. Mm-hmm. Because when they go at it on the street... Oh, I love that scene. So I love good. that scene. A, I'm like, I would listen to this podcast. Like, <laughs> if, they, if it was just Peter and Julia arguing about Bombshell, if, it, if they if they produced Bombshell on The
0: Ensemblist, mm. I would listen to it. Don't give me any more ideas. We know that we're creating <laughs> too much content right now. Anyway. Right.
1: But um, listening to them argue
0: about the show was thrilling. And I was like, this is... This goes back to my theory. is like, let the drama be about the show and putting up the show, right? Like, I don't need any of your sort of like backstage romance, blah, blah, blah. Like a Broadway, the creation of a Broadway musical is exciting enough. Yeah. Absolutely. So Peter inspires her to create this song, Our Little Secret, and everyone's like, yes, that's the right direction. I was like, that sounds like is a it? boring song that Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman wrote for Catch Me If You Can. Not <laughs> <That laughs> well, doesn't, doesn't thrill me at all. Well, like, hey, I, cannot- <laughs> I was like, Peter's right. Like, this
1: isn't, it. This was better, but this isn't it. And yeah.
0: when, again, when they love it, Julia's like, okay, well, we're done. It's like, no, you're not. And why, and why don't you want to make it any better? Even if it's good, why are you like, great, on to the next problem? Why aren't you like, yeah, I feel like anybody who is a creator wants to keep making the thing better, even if it's good. That's the thing that makes us all crazy as artists is the fact that we can like, we can never continually be improve. Happy. Yeah. <laughs> It's
1: it's never good enough. It's always going to be good. It's never good enough. Guaranteed. Hamilton was fine on the page, like three years after Lin started working on it. He still worked on it until it was at the Public, and then he still worked on it until he was at Broadway. Because
0: this will never be satisfied. Get out of here. <laughs> All right. I feel like it's time to finally talk about Hit List. Let's talk about Hit List. <laughs> Let's talk about Hit List. Go. Okay. So we've been hearing about these composers, right? They write the songs. They write the great songs. Write, and now finally we get to hear the quote unquote plot of The plot Hit List, of Hit List. Which
1: is just the worst. I wrote literally what I wrote at the end of the episode was wow, this show sounds like a mess.
0: Right. The only things that really make sense in it are the direct parallels to the lead character in Hit List to Jimmy and the lead female character in Hit List to Karen. Yeah. And then the rest of it is A Star is Born plus Hamlet plus a little bit of Romeo and Juliet. Like, what does that even mean? I don't even know what that and I mean- was like, Kyle has these horrible asides, which Andy Mantis like sells, God bless. But like, uh-huh. like- He, his interjections of there are all these other characters too. We'd assume. What characters, Kyle? Like if they're important, if they're Uh characters, tell us about those characters when you're telling us about your musical. And then we don't
1: even have a second act. Like, okay. So you don't have a plot. Here's a question. Do you think in any other world, this would have been a successful meeting? Like, had this happened in the restaurant like it was supposed to, would this have been intriguing enough for a show? No. And granted, neither of us have been at like the beginnings of a show's process. So maybe this is enough. But Okay, so
0: Bombshell has the—it's based on a good idea, right? Mm-hmm. Bombshell is based on Marilyn Monroe. And so you can bring in parallels of like— you can imagine someone being like, let's create a musical about Cher or Donna Summer or Tina Turner. And everyone's like, yeah, great. Those are great mm-hmm. ideas for a musical. You can oh, get invested shoot. by the concept and not have to worry about like the inner details yet. Right. Yeah. So then the hit list comparison is like The Wrong Man or A Strange Loop. Musicals from relatively new composers that are based on great ideas ideas, right? I think people are intrigued at this idea with the wrong man of like, oh this is a story that is interesting um, and has great music, right? Or a strange loop where you're like, oh it's a musical inside a musical and that's fascinating and it's about It's written by a guy who was an usher at the New Amsterdam, and it's about being an usher at the New Amsterdam. Like, there's an Mm -hmm. intrigue sort of around the idea, right? There's, like, this meta element to it that's, like, fascinating. That's interesting and enough to be like, oh, that's an interesting idea for a musical. Let's hear more, right? Yeah. Uh Like, they've got a good... Even if you think of not new composers, but I'm thinking about soft power. Like a musical inside a play, it's a reverse King and I. I'm interested, right? There's your elevator Mm -hmm. pitch. They all have elevator pitches. This was a poor elevator pitch. Yes. A hit list has a poor elevator pitch. And that makes you wonder why would anyone believe that this is the next big thing? Exactly. And that's where I'm like, here's my biggest issue,
1: especially with Jimmy, is that Basically, both Karen and Derek have been chasing down this dude who they've decided is brilliant, but clearly doesn't want anything to do with this. And then when he does, he pretends like he wants it because of his friend. I'm just like, where?
0: How? How does this even? Yeah, I don't think you get anywhere in this business unless you actually want. Want it? it. Yeah. Like, I'm just like. They they literally are continually chasing him down.
1: Jimmy is blowing every single opportunity that he's given by both Karen and Derek, both either by pissing them off or not showing up or like just angrily walking away like mur, 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 the world's against me. I'm like at some point the people who are offering you the opportunity wash their hands of you and is like bye. I feel like it's this problematic message in their storyline where i'm like you can blow all your opportunities and treat people like trash if you're a white guy yeah if you're an angry brooding white dude with a modicum of talent people
0: will just want you to succeed there's no reason to root for them no for, we're rooting for bombshell right whether it be because you want the show to succeed or you want actors to succeed or you've invested in it like we want bombshell to work and mm-hmm. there's there's no reason to want hitless to work I wanted them to, episode
1: one, I wanted him to, there's an excitement about Kyle, there's a mystique about Jimmy, but then we're now three episodes in, and what has Jimmy done? Just piss us off. Just like he's treated the other characters in the show like garbage, he's basically through proxy treated the audience like garbage, and I don't want to root for him anymore. I'm like,
0: you're going to act like this? Fine, forget it. I don't want you to succeed. I don't think your show's that good. You were burned by some white straight men in your life, weren't you? That's for a different podcast. (laughs) (laughs) To keep up to date with next week's recap, be sure to watch season two, episode four of smash entitled the song. Which song? I, guess I we're don't gonna know. We're going to find out. <laughs> right. find out. <laughs> you can find Smash episodes either on the NBC app or at NBC.com. The Ensemble List was produced today by me, Aaron Albano, and me, Mo Brady. There are two great ways you can be helping The Ensemblist right now. One is by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and the second is by becoming a Patreon member, which you can do at patreon.com slash The You can subscribe to The Ensemblist on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify,
1: or listen to all of our episodes on bpn.fm. And they're all on one place.
0: Yeah, you go. Oh, yeah, we have our own feed on Broadway Podcast Network now. You can look for Smashed. Look, Aaron, you're all grown up. Yes. You're a real boy. Um, and you can follow us on Instagram because like let's say you you weren't following us on a podcast platform, we we share all our episodes there and you'd be like, Oh, great, new smashed episode. There they are. There they are. Perfect. All right, thanks for listening, guys. Until next time.